holy name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I want to challenge you to do something today. Uh, something very difficult. I want to challenge you to do maybe the most difficult, hardest thing that you could ever be asked to do. And that is to see Jesus only. I want to challenge you to lift up your eyes and to see Jesus and only Jesus. To hear Jesus alone. Do not get distracted by the right or the left, by your busyness or your boredom. Just see Jesus. Now you have to love Peter. Peter is just, he's just amazing. Uh, the Lord calls this fisherman, and uh, Peter always speaks before he thinks. I know people like this. Sometimes I am that person. Um, Peter acts on impulse, and for better or for worse, Peter just speaks his mind. And we all know, of course, we know that the best thing to do most of the time is just be silent what you don't say cannot hurt you right you have two ears and you have one mouth all that right uh but peter is kind of like me and he hears that advice and promptly forgets it and so there is peter he's great jesus asks peter who do people say that i am he says, well, you know, they say that you're all of various, you know, different kinds of good things, you know, uh, maybe Elijah, who knows? And Jesus says, but you, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds with an answer that just defies logic, defies reason, seems fairly outlandish. Peter speaks back to Jesus uh, as this has been revealed to him by God himself. And if Peter had not have said it, maybe no one would have. I don't know. Sometimes it just takes the first person to get it right, and then everyone else uh, repeats it. Peter, who do you say that I am? Oh, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Of course. Of course you are. He doesn't look like much, but there he is. And of course, Jesus rebukes Peter later because Peter doesn't think that the son of the living God should just go and let himself get crucified. But, oh well. Jesus can deal with impulsive people things. Jesus can deal with uh, you even. So there on the mountaintop, Jesus is shining his face and his clothes. I love that his clothes are also shining. All of creation is headed towards redemption and recreation and glorification. So there's Jesus uh, shining again. And he has been, as our translations all say, transfigured which is, I don't know about you, but that's not really all that helpful. But luckily, and uh, if they ever ask me to participate in the next translations, 
I'll just uh, say, why don't you just use the word that's there, because it's a word that everyone knows. Uh, anyone who's watched anything from like wild crats to whatever they have now knows the word uh, metamorphosis. That is the word in, in the Greek. Metamorphosis. Everyone knows what that is. The caterpillar turns into a butterfly. There is a change. The caterpillar, which before looked, you know, a creepy crawly thing, shows its butterflyness all of the sudden. Transfiguration. He's still Jesus, but he is something completely different, though. Now, you could probably, if you were to see the transfigured, metamorphosized Jesus there on the mountaintop, that's kind of a no-brainer. You look at him and you say, yes, that surely is the son of the living God. That is God himself. He is so shiny. Of course, that is God. And there he is, speaking with two departed saints, Moses and Elijah. Uh, St. Luke tells us that they're talking about his exodus, which is kind of fun. And Peter suggests that you could build three tents, one for each one of them. Because, of course, that is what uh, glorified people really need. Uh, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, these, these guys need tents. Of course they do. Isn't that a nice thought? It's kind of like when I come up with things that I just think maybe Jesus hadn't thought of. Hmm? When I try and help him out, make him more cool and relevant or whatever it is, when we try and dress up Jesus into some other way to, to make people really buy into him. Because sometimes I don't think that Jesus knows what he's doing. And I have such a great idea about how we're going to make this work. But a voice from the cloud speaks. Hey, this is my son. And I am pleased with him. I am happy with him. Listen to him. Listen to him. So Peter is uh, rightly terrified at this. He thinks that he knows the right thing to do, and God himself speaks, says, listen to Jesus. And he's surely thinking, I, I did it again, didn't I? I said the thing I wasn't supposed to say. I should have thought before I said that, right? And so, did Peter earn another get-behind-me-Satan rebuke? So do you see the thing here? Listen to Jesus. If we listen to ourselves, what will we get? If I look inside myself, what will I find? Well, I'll be trying to do things like making tents for ghosts. I have well-intentioned mistakes all the time, at best, and oftentimes willful sinfulness. Because 
As Jeremiah reminds us, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? People are always talking about looking within yourself, looking at yourself, going inside to find peace. And that is absolutely the worst advice. But you should try and figure out a way to be at peace with yourself. And do you know how you do that? You have to go talk to someone else. You don't go in here. You go out there. It's not good for you to be alone. And so Peter hears the voice of the Father from the cloud. And he's not comforted by this. Listen to Jesus. So, you are supposed to listen to Jesus, and what does he say? Stand up, and do not be afraid. That's what he says. Listen to Jesus. Stand up, and do not be afraid. There is no rebuke for the silly tent idea. Jesus is still not angry at Peter. If we see Jesus only, what do we see? And if we hear Jesus only, what do we hear? And how do we see him? So one of, well, I, sh I, should, I should make you like fill out a, I should give you all a, a, a quiz, and then you'll all get uh, extra credit points if you know these things. But one of the three pieces of art above our altar here, uh, the one all the way on that side, the red one, um, that is actually, does anyone know what it is? It's the burning bush. So, you know, you've been staring at these things your whole life, right? And it's, it's right there. This is the burning bush. And in the middle of it, uh, has the word Adonai, uh, which just means Lord in, in Hebrew. But uh, we are confessing something. Whoever decided to get these things, I don't know who it was, but um, whoever put those up there knew what they were doing. It's not just some random thing. Christian art is not random. It's not accidental. Even where you put a cross in your home, you put it somewhere and it, and it means something. And the same thing goes with, with any of the art that we have here. Christian art is just, it's never frivolous. It all means something. What does it mean that we put the burning bush on our altar here? Well, this is your burning bush. God speaks to you from this place and you can see jesus only here just like moses out tending your flock yeah, it's kind of funny i don't know why i've never noticed this before but he he is tending his flock on a place called the mountain of god and god shows up wasn't that interesting we have named our own church zion which is the mountain of god don't be surprised when he comes to you 
God speaks to you from this place. God locates himself right here for you. You are Moses tending your sheep and you have seen a bush on fire that is not consumed. What else are you going to be looking at? I mean, do you think that Moses is out there, the angel of the Lord speaking to him from the midst of this burning bush, and then he is, what, checking his phone while the Lord is speaking to him? I don't think so. I mean, how could Moses have been doing anything else? It's wonderful. What else could you be looking at? Now, I am not familiar with any other churches that have uh, a burning bush on their altar, but I think it's brilliant. So good job, Zion. Uh, the Church of Scotland has it as their official like corporate logo, and it's pretty cool as far as church logos go. Look it up after church if you want to see a, a good church logo. But uh, see, the thing is, is that the God who speaks from the bush is the same God who speaks from the cloud, is the same God that Moses sees and hears. This is your shining Jesus. Moses had talked to him before the transfiguration, speaking with him out in the wilderness in the middle of a burning bush, and today he speaks to you. And if you were to see Jesus only, imagine all the things that you wouldn't be seeing. If you were to see Jesus only, what else would you be missing? When you hear Jesus say to you, stand up and do not be afraid, when he comes to you and touches you, he is actually taking your fear from you. So what do you see when his crucified and risen body and blood are held before you? What do you hear given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins? And this may be difficult. It may be the most difficult thing ever. But this is our job as a congregation, as individuals, to see Jesus only. That's it. And when you see Jesus only, when his word speaks louder than all other words in the world, you will not miss all the other stuff. You will see those things differently. If you see Jesus only, well, then how do you see your neighbors? And if you only listen to Jesus, how do you see yourself even? Listen to him. He is the one who spoke from the burning bush of setting free his people. He heard them. And he came to them. And he set them free. 
Listen to Jesus, who is the one who comes to you and speaks, Come unto me, all you who are labor, who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Listen to Jesus. See Jesus only. In the name of Jesus, amen.